Welcome back, lady listeners. Hey, how's it going? I don't know if I did that right or not because I was like looking at mute, but it did it. So I guess my stuff's <laughs> working. <laughs> I just was looking at the screen like, did I push all the right buttons? And it looks like it did. <laughs> Yay. I think everything's going. They should be able to hear us. Okay. Thanks for joining us this week. We have Adrian J. Smith with Deathscape. She brought us this ghost book that we were talking about last week. Yeah. So this is interesting because I've read a book like this before, but only once and it was by accident. I didn't know. Yeah, I've only read one too and it was kind of like in a series, so I didn't really have a choice because to me, it does not sound like something I want to read. But when I read it, it was like one of my favorite in the series. Yeah. Because I think we've talked about it. I don't like ghosts. I don't like witches. Mm -hmm. I don't generally like fae romance either. Yeah. But I... In all fairness, the only ghost book I have ever read, I enjoyed. So I don't know why. I was going to say, we're, we've been eating our words lately on books like that, where it's like, I'm, oh, you're like, oh, I don't read books like that. And then you read one, you're like, oh, I fucking love this book. Why, why didn't I read it? Because the, the one book I read was the Kerrigan Byrne book, and it was like her Christmas one. And I was just like, you know, I'll read anything she writes. And so mm-hmm. I just downloaded it. I didn't read the bio or anything. And I was like, wait, this is a ghost. <laughs> and then it was like, Oh, shit. And so, like, by the end of it, like, it totally made sense. And it was amazing. It was such a... And it was, like, a short story. It's, like, two hours in audio. Like, it's, like, the perfect... And it was just, yeah, one of those things where I read it. And I was like, oh, my God. I love this. Why don't I read more of these? I love a good short Christmas book like that. I know. They're perfect. They're perfect. So... Just for running errands or wrapping gifts and mm -hmm. stuff. I love them. Yep. I love a good Christmas story. I listen to... Like, a bunch of Christmas ones this year, like, we're having presents and stuff. I was just like, I'm going to list. That's all I'm going to listen to this month is Christmas audios. And I did, and it was fantastic. But, um, so, yeah, Adrian J. Smith, J. Smith has Deathscape for us. Um, we'll tell you about this book and all her other good stuff and everything she's got for you in just a few minutes. But we'll talk, for, talk first, and we'll catch up. So, I have a couple of questions. Did you watch the Super Bowl? No, not really. You didn't watch any of it? You didn't watch the I mean, game? I, I had it on mute. Like, because actually my husband went to go watch it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. My daughter went to work. Because y'all used to do door. like a huge Super Bowl party. Yeah, we used to have a huge Super Bowl party. That was like your but big one st- every year. Yeah, but we haven't since COVID and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I had the house to myself. So I put it on the TV, but it was on mute. Mm-hmm. And I was like just doing other things, enjoying the house being alone. Yeah. I was cheering for the Rams only because I thought Stafford deserved. He deserved a ring. Did they win? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, I wanted him to get – he's played for the Lions for a long time. Even though I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I've always thought that he was underrated. Like people didn't realize how good he was. He just didn't have – a very good team around him ever and look at him he's been at the lions he jumps over to the rams and boom super bowl so oh wow i was happy to see him get it yeah yeah that's awesome i didn't watch much of the game i think i watched like three or four plays and like i just wasn't super interested in it because i don't really you know i wasn't invested in each either team and I mean, I, I like some of the commercials, but I'm just like, I can watch them all later if I really want to. There's always They'll like a recap. Places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were some good movie previews and I love that. So that was really cool. Like there's a new Lord of the Rings ones that's coming. So like that was kind of exciting. We were all like, holy shit. <laughs> so that was neat. And the halftime show was amazing. I thought it was the best I've seen in years. It was fantastic. I don't I mean, I don't remember a ton of them, but I don't really remember when I liked more than this one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I was telling Kevin, like, when we watched it, I said, I love that there wasn't, like, a laser show. There wasn't smoke machines. There wasn't these big, huge stages that shifted all over the place. It wasn't, like, a huge production. It really was just, like, they were all friends hanging out, singing. Yeah. And it was... It was really about the music. Yeah. And, the music. and it was, you know, he compared it to a house party. And I was like, that's exactly what it was. It was a house party. Because that was the music you listened to when you had a fucking house party. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the shit you put on. 
But I found it interesting. I was listening to like recaps and stuff of it, you know, in the halftime show and that kind of thing. And someone had a really good point and they were like, if you enjoyed the halftime show, then, you know, if you love this music, then, you know, you shouldn't tolerate your racist Uncle Joe in the kitchen talking shit. Because <laughs> they were like, you know, if you're going to support, you know, if you want to love black music, then you should support the people that create the black music. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, wow. Like that was, you know, really, it was a, it was a great perspective, you know, that I didn't, I never considered, you know, when listening to, to black music where, it, I mean, I don't know, it's not something I constantly think about, but yeah, I think that's a, a really valid point. Like if you love that kind of, if you will love that music and those artists and stuff, then you should support who they are. Like, it's just interesting. But people don't, it's the same thing with men that are mean to women. Yeah. They want them when they want them, and then mm-hmm. they're assholes. True. But, you know, yeah. I just the longer I'm alive, the more I feel like men hate women. They hate them. And yeah. Every- and I feel like sometimes I feel like it's just ingrained in them. Like, yeah. they don't even – like, you know, have you ever seen where they said some people have racism and they don't even know it? Yeah. They'll do, like, these tests on them with images. Yeah. And they'll just have reactions and it's just, like, ingrained in them from childhood mm-hmm. and what they heard and growing up and it's something that has to be taken out. I, I wonder if the same thing happens – with sexism of course i mean especially if you see you know if you're in an environment where your father treated your mother that way you know or that's how your father that was his gaze of women you know that's you're taught to emulate that you know so it's just uh, it was really interesting like thinking about that and you know i don't know I, i i swear to god this is how i know that sexuality is not a preference like, it's not a choice because there's no way I would choose men if I, I had the option. There's I no way. <laughs> it would be so much easier. I'm like, oh man, my are God. Gross. have you ever seen that TikTok of that guy who, like, screams it? He's like, you think I chose this? <laughs> no. That I want to be with a man? I would die. <laughs> no, because it's a sad, like, I swear, I hope my daughters are gay. How much easier like, would it so be if I could be in, love with, be in love with just my best friend? Yeah, right? I think about that all the time. I'm like, why can't I be sexually attracted to, like, LB? Like, why can't why can't that work out? Because us living together would be amazing. We would have the most fun. We'd have, like, movie nights every night. Like, can yeah. you imagine the food? God, it would be so good. Until we both had weird, our period though, at the same time. I can see a lot of my husband's qualities. Mm-hmm. And my best friend. Yeah. And at the same time, I can see a lot of my personality traits in my best friend's husband. Oh, I could. Yeah, I could see that. I, like sometimes I'm like we emulate each other's spouses a little bit in ways. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that's why you balance each other out in your friendship, too. True. Yeah. Or maybe I just have the Mel her kind of. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um. Did you see that Bridgerton is coming back? Did you ever watch the first season of Bridgerton? Mm-mm. Did you ever watch it? No. It was so incredibly good. I know. I think everybody loved it. It was so, and it's like, you know, it's one of those things where it gets so overhyped that you're like, it can't be that good. It's so overhyped. It can't be. It is. Mm-hmm. There, there are not many shows that I go back and rewatch on Netflix. Like, I could probably name four. I'm such a brat because the reason I haven't watched it is the hooker scene at the beginning. Why? Like, he goes and sleeps with a hooker or whatever. He goes to the whorehouse. Oh, okay. That's not in the – that the, that happens in the beginning, but it's a different person. It's – that's, like, the older brother sleeps with – Oh, I with, thought he go. I thought he woke up in the whorehouse. He does, but that's, like, later. It doesn't show it. It just shows him waking up there. Yeah, and it's, like, if they cut that three-second clip out, it, you would never know. There's nothing else that happens in the movie or the show that's like that. But and he was never with anybody after they got together. No. So, but I don't know. I'm just kind of like, meh. But 
you know, the the new season's coming out, and it is the older brother this time, like, because he was sort of hung up on this sex worker, and so she, I think he just liked the idea of running away with her, to run away from his responsibilities. Her name was Sienna. So, like, to run away from Sienna and all of his, or run away from all his duties as the head of household, because mm-hmm. after his father died, like, he's the man of the house now, and so now yeah. he has to be in charge of everything. He's like, fuck this. I just want to go have fun. I don't want to do any of this. And she was like his way out. But by the end of it, she's like, you'll never be away from your family. You love them too much. You wouldn't want to be away from them. And I think he kind of realized like, yeah, I'm running from my responsibility. So, but the setup for season two is that he is betrothed to someone like it's an arranged thing they set up. And the girl that he's supposed to be with, it's her older sister, hates him. And so she, like, basically just, like, keeps telling him he's not good enough for her. to. And it's kind of like an enemies to lovers because they end up together. So that's what I'm kind of excited for is, like, how this is going to play out. But I saw an interview with Julia Quinn where she talks about um, they changed the last name of the family that he was. I don't remember what the original name is, but I think they changed it to Patel because I think the that whole family now is like of Indian race. And so I find that really cool that they've sort of expanded this world to like just be so inclusive and that the books were very easily changed to that. You know, so I I found that really cool, too. But I'm the girl that plays the heroine. And I don't know where her name in the in the show because it's not out yet. But she is so pretty. Like when I was watching the previews where I was like, oh, fuck, she's that was like their sex scenes are going to be so fucking hot. Like I I haven't seen the preview yet. I've seen people talking about it, but I haven't seen it. I should watch it. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. But isn't like some of the people not returning? Um, I don't think the Duke from the first one, I don't like, think he's coming back. the main guy from the first one not coming back? Um, yeah, but they said it's not his story anymore. It's kind of like, you know, when you write a book yeah. and like you, okay. you might see like a glimpse of them, like you see her, I think she makes like a cameo in yeah, this okay. one. But, um, but yeah, the guy from the first one, it's like Ray Jean-Paul, I think is his, okay. na- his real name. Yeah, he's not in this season. But they were okay. like, he's not supposed to be. So they were like, this, you know, this story wasn't written around with them there. So I'm sure it's explained away that he's with the baby or whatnot. But you know what I did watch on Netflix? What? The Tender Swindler. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. So I heard that, like, this guy, like, he swindled this woman out of, like, hundreds of thousands. Oh, he's, he swindled thousands of women. How much money did he get? He had to have gotten millions. What did he do with it? Millions and millions. He blew it like a billionaire. He acted like a billionaire. He had private planes and went to parties with celebrities. And people believed he was this person. And he just started pretty much like a Ponzi scheme. One Ponzi did the, the, the next. And while you hear it and you're like, how is this possible? When they laid it out. Yeah. And they showed it. And they showed that everything I was like. Wow. What do you he mean? Didn't. He just, how he was able to convince these people of it. Because he, he would have probably convinced me of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, when they started laying it out and how, he doesn't just ask you for this money. Mm-hmm. He, for two months, makes you fall in love with him. Oh, my God. And takes you on trips. And you go on private planes and to huge parties and yachts. And you live this life with him in these glimpses. So, you believe him. And he's got it set up so... When you look him up, you believe he's this person. There's articles. This, yeah. It is mind-blowing. And he says he works in the diamond industry. And, of course, there are actual diamond wars and people after families in Africa and here and yeah. there over diamond fights, mm-hmm. which is a real thing that happens. Yeah. And he would just – you just have to watch it. I'm just like – it blew my mind. I want to see it because that's what I've heard is – that it's insane how someone was able to manipulate this many people, yep. you know, but then again, you know, there are, there are so many instances where 
where people have done this, but this is just on a larger scale, it seems like. It's on like. a larger scale, yeah. and he's handsome, and mm-hmm. he's very charming, mm-hmm. and he psychologically knows how to get in. Well, how and did he, he get... And, like, they start breaking it down. They're like, well, this is how they make him fall in love with you. And then he starts laying his troubles on you mm-hmm. about he's worried. He's always got this bodyguard with him. Mm-hmm. He'll text you. It was a bad night. Security. He'll send a video of, like, he's at the hospital. Oh and he's got actual video of his security card, like, roughed up blood. Yeah. You know, how? and they're in the back of an ambulance because they must have done something. I don't know how he – At they, some they point. They say how he got the footage. But yeah. the footage is real. You see mm-hmm. it. But he does the same con over and over and over again. Holy and shit. And he just hops all around Europe. So how did he get – how does he get busted? Can you – is that a spoiler? Should we, should we say a spoiler alert? Um, well – they just one girl starts to push really hard oh, okay. to get her story out there mm-hmm. to get the story out there because she knows just like with anything if you can get something trending mm-hmm. if you can get his aliases up there then when people started to search his name because anytime they say when you date somebody you google search them yeah yeah you put them in the instagram which all of this stuff is that if we can get this to trend mm-hmm. higher maybe we can get him so when people look him up, when yeah. girls go to Google him, they see this. Yeah. But it was interesting just to see how he did it. I mean, of course, he needs to be punched in the junk. But it was <laughs> impressive. I had I have to I'm say saying, I like, was impressed. Can we do this to men? How do we do this so. to men? Because I don't want it to happen to any more women. But several <laughs> men need to have this happen to them. <laughs> it's, I'm, it's not just conning her and these girls they con companies Mm, wow and stuff and friendships he makes friends with people and he's done it with girls he wasn't even intimate with that he was friends with god how horrible like that's no conscience what is that when you don't have a conscience what is that like not psychotic i don't know somebody screaming it sociopath is that it yeah oh my god narcissistic yeah, it's I don't get it, but I do want to watch it though. Um, Love is Blind is back on too. Have did you ever watch that? You know what? You never watched the first season of that, did you? Love is Blind. Uh-uh. I don't know why, because this is exactly the kind of shit you would watch. Like I know, I don't know either. I don't know. It's so good. Like I don't watch reality show, and I could not stop watching it. But I should watch it. I'll it watch is, it next. It's Abby Knox's like guilty pleasure. And mm-hmm. she found out I liked it. And then she texts me about it all the time now. And I love it because she's just like, have you watched this? Have you watched the new season? I was like, no. She's like, fuck, I'm on so, episode oh, three. Oh, is the whole season already out? The whole first season's out, and the second season no, just I dropped. No, I mean the second season. Yeah, it I just think started. I think it's the whole things. Yeah, it already started. This one did. Oh, did they drop it all at once? I think so. It's on Netflix, oh, okay. so Netflix usually does. does I know yeah. Disney's the one that fucks around. It does one episode a week. HBO does that shit too, but <clears throat> Netflix is usually an all or nothing. But anyways, the yeah because it's like they all they call it the pods, and I think it's for a week or two, but they get so many people and they keep women on one side and men on the other and at the start of the day you go into a pod and every so often you switch and so but you don't see each other there's like something in between you but you can sit and talk and ask questions and you make notes if you want to see this person again if you you can make a request to see you know see them quote unquote again and they just do this all day. They swap with different people and you talk and you kind of develop this thing without ever Which, seeing oddly, them. I know the girl though, Lauren Speed. I still follow her. Oh my God, page. I love her. I love her and I Cameron. never watched the show, but I follow her on social media She's platforms. the best. She's so sweet. So, and Cameron is like the best They're guy. They're hot together. That's why I think I follow them. Yes. Seeing them together, I'm like, damn, they were like on a boat somewhere nice the other day. I was like, looks so hot together I'm telling you, like and he is so in love with her like he just looks at her sometimes and he's like nobody else exists but you you know like he'll say mm-hmm. shit like that where i'm just like is this a robot like this can't be real <laughs> but still like the way he looks at her and he talks to her and he's so cute with her because he was doing something and they were like her family was over and they were like making dinner and she was like did you wash the chicken and he was like yeah babe of course and he looks at the camera and says, I don't watch the chicken. 
he was like, and then it goes to a thing, and he said, he was like, she always worries about this. And he's like, I don't want her to worry. And she's like, you never watched the chicken. <laughs> but he's just, he just doesn't want her to worry. So he says yes to everything. I know. it's He's like a book hero. He's adorable. So I'm really excited to see this new season. Somebody said um, they posted up a thing that were they said uh, finally there's a plus someone who eats on the show. She was plus size, and um, and I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. The other ones were like really skinny, but whatever. But um, there was so much drama. They did a reunion show a few months back, and it was so good. How is there drama? They're like in pods. They don't. Oh, like did people steal other people's girls? Yes. So, what happened was, is there were two girls that liked the same guy, Barnett. It was, it was Amber and Jessica, and they liked this guy, Barnett. And, and Barnett always only liked Amber. Like, he kind of flirted with Jessica, like, in the pods or whatever. But he always was like, it was Amber from the start for me. And they're still, like, together and on the Instagram all over the place. But Jessica was, like, always, like, coming up to him and talking to him. Even after, even after him and Amber were married, like... Like she kept coming up, and maybe I should that spoiler to all of this. I'm so sorry. It's season I, well, one. That's but, all. I would still, yeah. Watch I mean, it was that. like two years ago, but um, yeah, because it came out in 2020 and they haven't been able to film since then until now. You so, would think so, they'd be able to. Everybody's in pause. I know. Well, what <laughs> happens is, is after you, after you do it, after you get you know matched up at the very end, you you would get engaged, you agree to get married. And then you go to an island, you go to the Caribbean, and you stay there for a week. And that's kind of like your honeymoon. And then you come home, and you have to be around your family. And then a couple, and then like, I think you get married. Yeah, you come home for a couple of, it's like a few weeks, and then you actually have your wedding. And so, I think it's only 30 days, maybe, from the time you meet to the time you get married, if that. But like, so... You're planning a wedding and your whole family comes and like there's so much drama because some of the families are like, you don't, you can't do this. You cannot marry this person. Yeah. And then the people are like, I'm doing it anyways. And it's like, oh my God, like one, one of the brides runs away, like, cause the guy rejects her like at the altar. It was awful. And so, like, this one guy, I was like, oh, my God, I love him. I love him. And Abby's just like, she was like, you haven't seen the reunion show. Just you wait. And I was like, no, he's the best. I love him. And I watched the first episode of the reunion. And I was like, oh, this piece of shit. <laughs> so, That's so funny that you say that. Because me and Rob mm-hmm. have been watching this season of Big Brother, the celebrity. It's yeah, going right now. Yeah. And I was like, it's so interesting from where I started. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I like these people. To now... I hate the people I thought I liked, mm-hmm. and I love the people I was like, I don't care for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I know, but, like, in the – from the time that they, like, go, you know, get married to the catch-up, you get to find out, like, what's been going on, like, how's life, are they still married, and, and you know, it, it's insane. It's so good, though. Like, that's why I'm surprised you haven't watched it, because all of this sounds exactly like something you'd like. So, you need to watch it if you haven't. So. All right. All right, well, let's talk about Adrienne J. Smith and Deathscape. I'll read you her author bio. Adrienne J. Smith has been writing nearly her entire life, but publishing since 2013. With a focus on women loving women fiction, AJ bumps, sorry, AJ jumps genre from action-packed police procedurals to the, to the seedier life of vampires and witches to sweet romances with May-December twists. She loves writing and reading about women in the midst of the ordinariness of life. AJ currently lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming. She put y, she put W-Y. I was like, oh, God, I just had to figure out what state that was real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Although she moves often, has lived all over the United States, she loves to travel to different countries and places. She currently plays the role of author, wife, mother to two rambunctious kids and occasionally handy woman. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, and her blog. And the book bio you're about to listen to for Deathscape is, With a storm brewing, CL stands in the center of it, waiting for chaos and waiting for chaos to ricochet around her. This time, however, a mysterious woman keeps appearing and disappearing. At first, CL thinks this stranger is a figment of her lonely imagination. But when the next storm hits, 
Sion knows this stranger has to be real. So I'm super excited. Um, she did want us to remind you that pre-order is up for Indigo. Um, it's a small town lesbian romance age gap with a famous singer-songwriter and a rancher falling in love. Which sounds amazing. Okay. A lesbian rancher? This is so hot. Um, let's see. Uh, Admissible Affair will be on sale February 24th through March 3rd for 99 cents. So don't forget to pick that up. It's and also in Kindle Unlimited. Yes. KU. Um, the giveaway this week is a signed paperback for one of her books. So make sure you enter to win that. So let's play All the right. first installment. We'll see you guys on the other side. This is Deathscape. By Adrian J. Smith. Read for you by Lacey Laurel. The flash lit up the sky, blinding Ciel. The stream barreled toward the ground, fingering off until it dissipated into the dark night. Rain clouds loomed overhead, dark and dirty. Trees stood tall, protecting the tiny house as it stood in silent reverence. Ciel waited for the taste of rain on her tongue. It wouldn't be much longer. Filling her lungs with the rich scent of damp greenery, she stood still. Her eyes were closed when the lightning struck down from the world above, lashing out its anger against the world. Ciel didn't move. The hairs in her nose burned as the stark piercing scent of ozone overpowered the scent of rain. It was close. Her eyes watered from the sting in the musky air when she opened them, the great waves of clouds roiling overhead. The wind shifted, and the air chilled as C.L. waited. She lived for days like these. Her white, gauzy summer dress wrapped tightly around her ankle, tangling as sheets of water fell, one after the other, until they reached her toes. Sliding her bare heel into the wet dirt, C.L. ran for her deck. You shouldn't stay out there. Seo gasped and stood stock still on the last step of the front stairs, the rain beating down on her head, pressing a hand over her racing heart as she stared into the greenest eyes she had ever seen. Her chest rose and fell unevenly as the woman stood between her and the front door. Seo blinked back water from her eyes as it trailed down her face and through her hair, wondering if the woman was a mirage. Seal memorized her every nuance. It's raining, was all Seal managed to say, her voice weak and covered by the rolling thunder. Her heartbeat ramped up, pulsating throughout her neck and fingers as she tried to breathe deeply. Frozen by either fear or desire, Seal stayed put. Long legs covered in low-rise jeans, leading up to a crisp white shirt under a deep red vest and matching tie. Ciel swallowed away a gasp as they locked gazes once more. It is, the woman said, smiling sweetly. She reached out, her hand ghosting along Ciel's cheek. Ciel closed her eyes, imagining the feel against her skin because the woman didn't touch. She didn't caress. When Ciel looked up, she was gone. Darting her gaze around, C.L. searched to see her bright green eyes one more time. Lightning struck down, making her heart race. C.L. pulled on the railing with her left hand and took a step up the expansive front stairs. She had vanished. C.L. finally stepped out of the rain. Hello, she whispered, her voice cracking. Clearing her throat, C.L. asked again. Hello? Anyone there? Sale's bare feet scuffled along the whitewashed porch as she walked, wrapping around her entire house before she got back to the front steps. Gnawing on her lower lip, she shook her head as another lightning strike found ground in the clearing. Sale stepped up to the railing of her porch. Rain continued to fall in sheets to the already moist ground below. No one was out there. Only her and her house. She stared out at the green paradise beyond the cover of the deck roof, relaxing her shoulders. Lightning cracked and speared into the earth, charring the grass. 
This was not the first time Ciel had seen her. For the last two nights, the woman had shown up unexpected, standing between Ciel and her door, as Ciel wandered toward the house as a storm came in. Each time, when Ciel had finally reached the stairs, the woman had faded into the darkness, as if she had never existed. Ciel remembered the tone of the woman's voice. She pictured her as perfectly as if she had been standing in front of her once more. Tall and lean body, poised and balanced as she watched Ciel. Light brown hair cropped short, formed into a fauxhawk along the ridge of her head, not rustling in the rush of the wind as it moved through the clearing. And those green eyes that made Ciel's heart jump into her throat. The first time, Ciel had stayed in the clearing, letting the rain fall over her. She blinked once, and the stranger was gone. The second time, after a second's hesitation, Ciel ran for the porch. Another flash of lightning stole her out of her reverie, and Ciel headed inside to dry off. Spinning the wet strands of hair, she wrung it onto the entryway mat. She barely noticed the cold hardwood floor under her bare feet as she walked to her bedroom. Ciel changed into dry clothes before heading into her kitchen for tea. The pot clattered in the sink as a shot of thunder ripped through the sky. With shaking hands, she finished and set it on the stove. Really going to have to get used to that, she mumbled and stared out the window. Three days of storms, and each was as nasty as the last, and she couldn't shake the feeling it wouldn't stop. Growing up in the house should have been enough for her not to be afraid. She'd been living on her own for the better part of six years, so why couldn't she calm down? Never did she remember storms like this, lasting this long. The water boiled, hissing. She turned the heat off and went to the window, letting it cool for a few seconds. Wrapping her arms around her chest again, she rubbed her hands up and down her arms as she watched the storm rage. Wind whipped through her open windows, threatening anything she had inside. The curtains billowed out, but rain didn't touch a drop against the window or screen. It was beautiful in its power. Sighing, Ciel relaxed even more. She would sit on her front porch, sip her tea, and stand guard as the storm moved overhead, until it disappeared onto the horizon, and she was free for a few more minutes of its grasp before it came back. Ciel opened her eyes and froze. The stranger was drenched. Ciel clenched her jaw as she looked into those green eyes. Ciel didn't move this time. Determined to not lose sight of her, Ciel planted her feet on the tile and watched as the woman stared back at her through the glass of her kitchen window. The wind didn't touch her hair, the fauxhawk proudly standing still. The rain didn't touch her skin as she took two deep breaths before stepping through the window and counter. C.L. stumbled, grasping the edge of the stove to hold herself up as the woman came closer. C.L.'s fingers slid along the edge of the pot and the metal burner searing her flesh. Crying out, C.L. ripped her hand away and grasped it with the other one. With wide eyes, she watched as the stranger took three more steps, her hand ghosting along C.L.'s clenched fists. The burning pain cooled and receded as she continued to brush her fingers millimeters above Ciel's flesh, calming incrementally until the stranger stopped and looked at her. She took another step and bumped into the counter, causing the drawer to slam with a loud crack. Lightning lit the room, and Ciel pointed a finger at the stranger, telling her to stay put without words. Who the hell are you? Ciel asked. Mal. She replied, rooted to her spot. Ciel waited for the words of comfort, that Mel would do her no harm, but they never came. Fear gripped Ciel until she could barely breathe. Air rushed in and out of her lungs as she bent over to hold up her weakening body, her chin still tilted upward. Mel staggered forward, and Ciel cringed, wincing and moving to be as flush to the counter as possible, Fear lashed through her chest and stomach, twisting into a storm of its own. Don't, Ciel managed. Just give me a second. Mel didn't listen. 
She stepped into Ciel's personal space, putting two fingers under Ciel's chin. Even though Mal wasn't touching her, Ciel lifted her face and straightened her body to meet Mal's. Slower deep breaths echoed in her lungs as they stared at each other. Mao had walked through the window, through it, not around it. She had literally ghosted through the side of the house until she was in the kitchen. Mel's clothes rustled as she shifted forward. Lightning and thunder boomed through the house, and Ciel's voice locked in her throat, her lips parted in anticipation. Ciel wanted to scream, wanted to say stop, wanted to do something other than stand there. Not moving. She held still as Mel's lips connected with hers. They were warm. Ciel gasped and wrapped a hand around Mel's neck, pressing her closer as heat flooded her. They broke apart after time stopped, and Ciel looked around. They weren't in her house anymore. They were in a gray, fuzzy, and muted existence. No walls that Ciel could see, no floor, and no ceiling. The gray was close enough she thought she could reach out and touch it, but all she felt was air. Nothing caressed her skin, nothing surrounded it with moisture, nothing was thick. Thunder roared around the gray ether, but it sounded off, muted, distant. When the thunder didn't echo, CL spun around to Mel. Light filled the room for a momentary blast before receding. Where are we? Her voice sounded dull, without the vibrancy it should have carried in her accusatory tone. In the in-between, Mel answered, staying still. More lightning came and went. Thunder resounded before disappearing. This is where we collide. Ciel furled her brow, eyes narrowing and bottom lip pulled between her teeth. Nerves followed her fear, and curiosity clashed through her stomach. Where we collide, Ciel accepted. Mal simply nodded. What does that even mean? Ciel's fingers clenched tightly into a fist while she wanted for an explanation. Not only did she want answers from Mal, but she wanted answers for herself. She wasn't panicking, her heart wasn't racing, and she didn't want to go home. Instead, Peace took over, settling in her stomach and blooming in her chest, making the chaotic case of nerves and fear dissipate. Something was exactly right about a place that should have been so wrong. My place and your place. Mel walked over to Ciel and ran a gentle hand down her arm. I can touch you here. I can see that. Ciel shuddered also thinking about how Mel's lips felt. You touched me at my house. Mel shook her head. Her wide green eyes locked on Ciel's, making Ciel's breath catch in her throat. They had a connection Ciel couldn't explain, one that made her calm and easy when she should have been feeling exactly the opposite. I didn't touch you at your house. Oh, Ciel answered pouting her lips together as she took another glance around. Why are we here? Mel cocked her head to the side as light filled the room, then receded as rapidly as lightning, which Ciel supposed that's what it was. Standing her ground, Ciel kept her feet firmly planted, crossing her arms when Mel hesitated for an answer. She wanted to know, and she was willing to wait for however long it took, seeing as how she wouldn't be heading to her house without Mel's help anyway. I wanted to talk to you, Mel answered after a long pause, a blush rushing to her cheeks. Why not stay at my house? Ciel bit her lip, butterflies in her stomach as Mel slipped in nearer. They were so close to touching, but gray ether floated between them. The sense of peace and calm was gone, only to be replaced with the desire she'd had before. Desire to reach up and rush her own fingers across Mel's high cheekbones through her short-cropped hair, scraping her nails against the back of Mel's head. C.L. refocused. Mel's breath mingled with her own. Her neck bent, so her lips brushed across C.L.'s when she answered. I wanted to touch you. C.L. nodded. 
not daring herself to move. She liked the tension and wanted it to last. Moving in a hair's breadth, Seal raised her gaze to meet Mal's. I've lived alone for years. I know, Mel whispered and curled her fingers into Seal's hair, taking the ends and rubbing them between her fingers. Her breath rushed against Seal's cheek, fluttering down her neck and chest to her stomach. Seal looked up at Mel again, her eyes wide as lust slid through her. How do you know? I can watch you when there are storms. Mel ran a finger across Seal's lips and settled her forehead against Seal's. Breathing deeply, Seal was consumed by Mel's scent, damp greenery, the smell that took over all her senses just before rain pelted the ground, the scent of clouds ready to release their bounty on the waiting life below. Seal listed closer to Mel, still not completely touching. Continuing, Mel whispered, Only when there are storms. I watched you grow up. Why haven't I seen you before now? Before this week? It was the only question she could think to ask. The ones about stalking flashing through her mind, but Ciel couldn't form the words. Ciel wanted to wrap her arms around Mel's waist, wanted to pull Mel tight against her, but she didn't. She restrained herself. Not moving when Mel tensed, Mel didn't answer for a few seconds, and the muffled sound of thunder filled the gray air. Seal supposed it could have been. She had no earthly idea where they were anyway. For all she knew, her house had been struck, and she'd been electrocuted and was lying in the middle of her kitchen, the teapot screaming bloody murder because no one was there to turn off the stove. Mel took a deep breath and walked away from Ciel, her jeans snug over her hips as she moved, her white crisp shirt tight against her chest. Ciel's gaze trailed down, then back up. Mel's back still turned to her. Wait. I have seen you, Ciel whispered. Nodding, Mel's head bobbed up and down. I was there the night they died. You were in my dreams, Ciel tensed. It had been over six years since both her parents died. Mel had been there for hours in her dreams and after, though she had thought she was still dreaming at the time. Mel's tall and slim figure had stayed by her side the entire night as the thunderstorm had raged. She'd dreamed of Mel touching her then, comforting her, embracing her. They weren't dreams, Mel said through clenched teeth, spinning around in her dirty old red converse to face Ciel. They weren't dreams, she repeated far calmer than the first time she had uttered them. Oh. Ciel nod on her lip again, debating what to say. If they weren't dreams, then what were they? Mel certainly wasn't a real human being, not someone who could touch her in her house. Sighing, Ciel raised her gaze again and asked, Why? Mel's head snapped up as she twisted around to stare at Ciel. Her eyebrow rose up in a questioning gaze as she let out a long breath. Ciel could see exasperation written all over Mel, but there was nothing she could do about it. She wanted answers to all the questions she had, and she was pretty sure she deserved them. You were alone, Mel said simply, her shoulders coming up in a shrug. Ciel curled her toes against the gray floor, feeling nothing under her feet when the pressure on her bones and muscles should have increased. Mel's hands on her cheeks brought Ciel's focus back. Seal's eyes locked on Mel's jade green ones, and she focused as much as she could. She nodded and reached up to cut Mel's warm fingers on her cheeks. I was alone. Mel nodded once in response to her statement. I was alone then, and I was alone tonight. Yes, Mel answered, letting out a sigh. Mel's skin was so warm against her face. Ciel closed her eyes and breathed in deeply, that scent of just before the rain filling her completely. After a moment, Ciel nodded and slowly turned out of Mel's grasp. Ciel held her breath before taking another step. 
She didn't want to look at Mel when she asked. She didn't want to know if Mel was lying about anything. So, why now? I've been alone for years since my parents died. The storm. The perfect storm? Ciel let out a wry chuckle at the cliché. It all had to be a dream. Mel was a dream. The gray ether was a dream. None of it was real. You could only come because of the storm? So what happens when the storm ends? We are stuck. What? She spun to face Mel. What do you mean, stuck? I can't be stuck here. Mel put her hands out with palms up. Ciel didn't know why. It wasn't like she was going to attack Mel in her panic or anything. Ciel shivered, cold seeping into her limbs for the first time since entering the in-between, as Mel had called it. When the storm ends, there is nothing left of here. I suspect there is more beyond, but this place. Mel put her hands out to her sides and spun in a circle, her hips moving to an unknown rhythm as she looked at the gray walls encasing them with adoration. Ceases to exist. We cease with it, or we go to the next storm. C.L. wrapped her arms around her middle and tried to tamp down her fear. Something didn't sit right. If the gray ether ceased to exist and she wasn't home, then there was no way for her to get back. Where would she go? Where would they go? Mel was looking crazier by the second, and a vice of fear gripped C.L. She'd been kidnapped by a madwoman. How do I get back? Seal whispered, hoping Mel had an answer, hoping Mel would let her go if she wanted. Waiting with bated breath, Seal leaned in as Mel's lips parted with a response. Instead, Mel reached forward and tapped one long finger against Seal's temple. Nodding, Seal leaned in closer to Mel, smelling the dirt and musk coming off her clothes. She hadn't been able to smell Mel before, not when they were outside in the rain and not when they were in her kitchen. She started for a moment before remembering she had turned the stove off, assuming it wasn't a dreamscape she had ventured into. If it was, then nothing mattered anyway. The week of storms had stressed her, tortured her to the point of envisioning Mel before her eyes, of creating this gray ether they were now stuck in for the foreseeable future, at least until she woke up. Breathing deeply, C.L. confirmed what she wanted to believe. If it was a dream, then it wouldn't matter at all. She could do whatever she wanted. Bolstered from her decision, C.L. stepped forward. Sliding her hands against Mel's waist, she went to move in but stopped. Another question on the tip of her tongue. Does time in here matter out there? Mel shook her head in response and pulled C.L. in close so their hips and chests rubbed against each other. C.L. liked being this close to Mel. The ghosting feeling of Mel's fingers against her cheek and Mel's lips on hers at her house were a distant memory when Mel touched her in the in-between. C.L. didn't know why she was so drawn, but everything about Mel called to her. Reaching up, C.L. ran a finger over Mel's lips much as Mel had done before. Then she pressed her palm into Mel's chest right over her heart. Mel bent her head and touched their lips together in a whisper of an embrace. C.L. sighed into the contact but slipped away before it could go any further. No matter how drawn she was, she didn't know Mel. Where are you from? C.L. asked, looking over her shoulder at Mel. C.L.'s flannel pajamas brushed together as she walked away from the center of the gray ether, the center of whatever dreamscape she was on. With each step she took, the colder the ether became. Mel chuckled lightly before answering. The question should be when, I think. C.L. shook her head and spun around, halting her movements. She held out a hand, indicating she was waiting for Mel to respond with more of an explanation. C.L.'s mind worked over time. If the storm can make Mel transcend space and time, then where would they come out when Ciel wanted to go back? Would she even successfully get back to where she had started? 
If the gray ether was even real, and while CL had doubts to its integrity, everything about it felt completely real. While the floors and walls were intangible to touch, they were very much tangible in keeping her there. Realizing Mel hadn't answered her, she verbalized the question. When are you from? The year just before the millennium. That's 16 years ago. Sale's stomach tensed. Mel twisted her hands together, staring at the ground. It was the first time CL knew seeing the jade green would put her at ease. Seeing Mel's eyes would affirm she was telling the truth. Mel nodded in an answer and paced the gray room. CL watched curiously as the walls moved around Mel, allowing more room for her to walk back and forth, not confining Mel to one spot, ever changing to allow her exactly what she needed. Sixteen years for you, and a second for me, Mel finally said, her voice trembling. When CL caught Mel's gaze, she held it, tears brimming in Mel's eyes and threatening to spill over down her cheeks. CL wanted to race over and wrap Mel tightly in a warm hug, but she remained. She was drawn to Mel, drawn to her in a way she had never experienced before, and it scared her. What happened? CL asked not sure if she wanted the answer. Mel stopped and looked at CL with wide eyes. Reaching up, she ran her fingers through her brown hair, leaving tasseled tufts in her wake. Mel shook, her body jolting with the force as she fell to her knees, hands clasping her neck as sobs tore from her throat. CL stood back in shock, wanting to wrap her arms around Mel, hug her until she stopped crying. One simple question had broken Mel in a way CL had never expected. When had Mel grieved for whatever had happened? The thought ricocheted around CL's mind as she stood, watching this beautiful woman before her crumble. Mel had been unwavering the entire time they'd been together until then. CL clenched her teeth. Screams echoed in the ether unlike the thunder, but they mingled with the loud cracks and rumblings lasting longer as the storm sounds passed. With her breath in her throat, Ciel moved closer and touched the crown of Mel's head. Mel rocked into Ciel's legs, leaning all her weight against Ciel as the tears slowly subsided. The storm calmed as Mel did, but Ciel was left with the sharp moment Mel had changed and become racked with pain. Once Mel was done with the tears, Ciel bent down and sat next to her, one leg propped up behind Mel's back as a support, and the other curled under her body so she could effectively wrap her arms around Mel's shoulders. Mel would not let go of her. Ciel smoothed down Mel's hair before combing it back into its faux hawk. She pressed a few kisses to Mel's forehead and temple, hoping the actions would ease her rather than create another disturbance. Mel turned her head and kissed Ciel's lips. What was that about? Ciel whispered her lips brushing against Mel's cheek with each word. She moved her hand up and down Mel's back, scraping her nails against her shirt and vest in a soothing pattern. Wanting to comfort Mel back into the easy person she had been before, Seal stayed where she was as Mel relaxed. Welcome back. Hi. Thanks for being with us. Like I said, don't forget to enter this week's giveaway for the signed paperback and grab the pre-order for Indigo and Admissible Affair that's on sale. So do that. Right. We'll be back here Tell on Thursday. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance.